we go. And this morning, I wanted to tell you guys about something I've been thinking about for quite some time. It's actually been months and months I've been thinking about um, speaking on this the next time I got up and preached. But I just wanted to especially share it after being out in California this past week. Every time I go out there or go out west or go to a national park or a state park or somewhere where I just have all this open space and I just see how great nature is and I'm just impressed by that or even going to the ocean and just seeing how it goes on forever and there's not an end to it but you also are able to just experience being there. Every time I go to places like that and every time I see things like that I just feel so small. And I love that feeling because I feel like sometimes I get so busy with everything that I'm doing that I don't have that feeling of being so, so small. But when I go to these places, it just impresses on me so much more how great God is and how amazing he is and just what that should do to our lives and how that should make us his servants and always be looking for ways to be more like him and also just to experience how great and how powerful and how awesome he is through that as well. One thing that I noticed last year whenever I was out west, um, I was able to go to the Redwood Forest and see the giant sequoias out there and how huge the trees were. And last week I was able to see some trees that were big. They weren't as big as those others, but even so, just looking up at those and seeing how wide around they are, it's just amazing to me that something can grow and be that strong and powerful out there. And God's bigger than that. So those things that make me feel so small and thinking about God and how much more powerful and how he's the one that created those things. But seeing those trees um, was just fantastic. I mean, it's wider than this room. It's so much taller and longer than this building is. It's just crazy to see those things. And uh, one thing that we did notice when we were going through the woods was that some of the trees were laying on the ground dead, but on top of those trees were these other huge trees that were growing out of the top. And there was something called nurse trees. And with them being called nurse trees, what happens is whenever they die, they start to become part of the ground, obviously, but before they completely decompose into the ground, these trees start growing out of these stumps and these fallen trees. And so they're called nurse trees because they take the nutrients from the fallen trees and actually start growing new ones. And their roots start growing down into the ground, but you can tell that they're still growing on top of these old trees. So me and Ben and Emily, whenever we were walking through the woods, we were talking to each other and we were like, it's so interesting to look at nature and see things about God in nature and uh, going through the discipleship studies whenever we're looking through these visions that people are having in the book of Daniel when we're looking through the book of um, Matthew whenever Jesus tells these parables and looks over these different circumstances that he wants to explain to people in a way that they can understand it's so amazing to see that and to relate it in your head and be like oh that makes absolute sense because that's exactly what I see right here on the ground that's totally what I see in my life, and that's what I've experienced myself. And in those nurse trees, I think there's a few different things that we can pull out of seeing our life and teaching ourselves from that about being Christians and being brothers and sisters in Christ as well. The three things I think we can see from that is getting inspiration from those to let others grow from that, to see those spiritual giants that may be like, wow, that's amazing, from the Bible or from the people that we see in our life. To take strength from others who are willing to give it and who may have had some different opportunities in the past, but now that they have decided to lay down some of those abilities or they can't do them anymore, they're able to give strength to those who are able to grow. 
And then last is to become the type who would serve and who actually lay their down, lives down and lay down some of their time, some of their effort, some of their spirit, so that others can grow out of that as well. I want to look at one person and uh, kind of use him as the example in some different aspects of his life that I think just teach me and have taught me just in studying for this lesson, but also just in reading through ways that we can be like these trees and be like this in nature. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bible to Acts chapter 8, um, the first few verses are going to come right there from Acts chapter 8. I'm sure just hearing Acts chapter 8, usually all these uh, chapters, especially in Acts, kind of click in with, oh, okay, I know where you're going with this. Um, but what we're actually going to look at today is look at some different times in Saul slash Paul's life and actually see how he kind of embodies all three of these aspects, what I just mentioned, in different times of his life and in different ways that he went through those as well. Now, first, in just thinking about the inspiration to others, one thing that I am so amazed and so just shocked by is uh, the change that Saul had to go through to become Paul. Uh, if you look in the first few verses of Acts chapter 8, it says, right after talking about the stoning of Stephen and the fact that Saul was standing there and the cloaks and everyone's things were right there beside him, it says, And Saul approved of this execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Whenever we think of Paul, we always think, oh, even he admits he came from a really bad place and uh, he was not this like superstar Christian at all times. But seeing him start out as this, and then to watch the transition of what he turns into is amazing. Just going over to the next chapter there in um, chapter 9. We're going to read the first nine verses there. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one else. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So he led him by the hand down into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now seeing this, him being humbled so much by Jesus in this way, after he was specifically asking, I need a letter so that I have even more documentation and even more of a right to go and take down these Christians and these who are belonging to the way that we see in these uh, verses. Now, just skipping down a few verses, let's go down to um, 19, just the second half there. And it says, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he's the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And was he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. And when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they were watching the gates day, by night, day and night in order to kill him. 
But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. So such a huge shift here from the start of chapter 8, the end of chapter 7, to see how far Saul has come in such a short period of time, how he's turned his life around. And that's really inspiring to see just what a difference God can make in his life to make him grow in such a short period of time and also just change so much about his heart so that he can actually see what that is. That's not the only things that we see in Saul's life, though. So many things before he changed over to be Paul. This morning alone, we read multiple verses from a couple of different letters which he wrote to Christians and to churches actually telling them things about being better Christians and being stronger in the faith. So amazing to see that after seeing chapter 8 and where Saul was beginning. Now, when it comes to gaining strength from others, um, obviously we know that Paul gave that as he um, went through the churches and went on the journeys. But let's look back at a time where he had to gain strength from others to continue on in his service as well. Um, Staying there in chapter 9, I just want to think about being... Saul at this time, having the reputation that you did um, going on and knowing that the reason that you're in these cities is because you were intending to capture these people and drag them off, it'd be really hard to go into the places where they're worshiping and meeting and talking to them about Jesus and also trying to become one of them whenever what they would imagine and what we would imagine if someone like that came in today was that he's about to start trying to arrest you and start taking you off to prison. That would be a really hard thing to do. But more so would be if people wouldn't even let you come in because they knew that reputation about you and they didn't want anything to do with you. They didn't want you to speak to them. They didn't want you to be around them. And just looking at some examples in his life of people who helped him out, let's look at what happened whenever he went back to Jerusalem. In verse 26 there, it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So in these verses, we see Barnabas stepping in there and being that support that Paul needed and giving him some of the strength that Barnabas had to be able to encourage the brethren there and also to be able to encourage Paul to continue on in this service. So at one time, Barnabas may have been the one who needed people to encourage him. And now that he's had that encouragement and that he has that spirit, he's able to give some of that to Paul and actually encourage him in this way as well. Let's continue reading there. So we went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So this kind of shows and starts Paul's journey to going from different places and preaching and continuing on his ministry to share Jesus with others. And I think Paul would have kept trying and pushing, but without people like Barnabas and other people to encourage him and to kind of hold his hand and help him out as he continued in his service, it would have been a lot harder for him. And it may have kept him from growing as much as he did because he was able to continue preaching, continue teaching, and continue um, to do that with Jesus as well. Over in um, Acts chapter 13, we actually see Paul start off on his missionary journeys with Barnabas. And just to highlight some of the people that Saul gained strength from, and also some of the people that Saul gave strength to in his um, 
journeys, you just think about Barnabas being that companion, going through all these different cities and all these different places. Paul being stoned at Lystra in chapter 14, where he's able to get back up and continue walking on to go to the next city to continue preaching. And what a strength that would be for others to see and others to hear. The times that he stood in front of large groups of people and was able to proclaim Jesus to them and also stand up for the cause of Jesus. Lydia um, in converting her. You think about the Philippian jailer and just the huge impact that Paul and Silas had on their life. Silas being a companion with Paul in that. And so many others as you see him go through his ministry step by step and what he did to continue proclaiming Jesus. It's really just amazing to think about how far he had come and how much strength he was able to give others in that by laying himself down and becoming that nurse tree so that others could grow out of him and continue to proclaim Jesus in that as well. And thinking about that and just becoming that for other people, um, thinking about serving others in our service and what we're looking to do to continue on here at this group, um, because we are a bit smaller Sometimes we may be called to play multiple roles, and uh, sometimes we also may need multiple things. It could be at work, we can be that tree that's laying down and letting other people have some of our energy. But it could be whenever we come here that we need some help from the people who are stronger spiritually, and that is the beautiful thing about the relationships that we're able to have with each other, and also just kind of the way that God designs the church because we are a family and by having that family we're able to grow together through that as well. Um, Turning over to Acts chapter 16, I want to kind of look and highlight a time whenever we definitely see Paul serving in a really amazing way. Uh, At the very start of chapter 16 verses 1 through 5, I'm going to read that. It says, Paul also came to Derbe and to Lystra and a disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, as he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. I just think this is such a great example of the way that Paul was willing to give of himself, give of his time, and also just give of his um, place and just time in his life and what he was able to share. It's easy sometimes to just write off and say that we don't want to take the extra time to uh, spend with other people or that we're tired or that we're exhausted or that it's going to slow us down or so many different things. But I don't really see that with Paul. Whenever I see him serving God, I see a lot of Jesus in him and the fact that he's willing to expend himself a lot and become that father to people who needed fathers and the brother to people who needed brothers and just be there and to help them. And just looking back at Acts chapter 9, I think Saul and Paul is such a great example because we're able to see just how much he does and how much he gives of himself. But I think about all the different people in the Bible that we see who uh, some of them may have been these spiritual heroes, but we don't have all the letters that they sent out to different churches or to the groups that they worked with. We don't have uh, pages on pages of their journeys that they went on, but that doesn't mean that they didn't go on then. So just thinking about that and thinking about 
whatever part we're playing in this cycle of helping others or being there for others or also growing from others, that doesn't mean that that's where it ends in that one place in time. We all are able to serve in this in multiple different ways at multiple different times and it could change on a daily basis of what we need to continue growing. Going back to Acts chapter 9, I just want to read some verses about someone we don't know a ton about, but without him, I don't know how much of Acts would have continued on the way that it did, or how much that we would see to play out the exact same way it did. Um, In verse 10 of Acts, we're introduced to a man named Ananias, and uh, we don't know a ton about his family history. We don't know what he liked or didn't like. We don't know a whole lot about the rest of his life, but we're able to take a look at this one example and see a way which is he's serving and the way that he served Saul because God told him to do so. Let's read in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, And at the house of Judah, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. These verses are so amazing to me because sometimes you think and you, or I think, and I'm like, I would love to be one of those spiritual superstars from the Bible where everyone knows your name and it's great, but also looking at people like Ananias who may not have books and books and books that he's written or that we see, But just think about what a huge impact he had on so many lives. And that's ultimately what we want to do is be able to serve God in the way that he calls us to. And that's exactly what Ananias did here. And the impact and the change which that made just from the action of doing what God asks us to do is really amazing. Now, turning over to Romans, which is that chapter that, um, or most of the chapters that I got Richard to read before the lesson started this morning, just thinking about Paul's journey as he continued on and what he did after standing up when Ananias told him to stand and doing what God wanted him to do at that time. I'm just going to read through um, verse 1 through 17 of this chapter. I think it really just pulls together a lot of the thoughts of uh, where Paul is at this time and how much he's grown to know what the faith actually means and what it looks like. And I love some of the verses which um, Richard read earlier where he's talking and he was for all the people and he was there for the Jews and the Greeks and the barbarians and everyone at different times in their life and he had a unique way of understanding that because of where he was starting out being against Jesus and then coming around to it 
and then being able to show Jesus to people as well. Starting in verse 1, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of the name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I will now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Seeing Paul write to the church here in Rome and to be able to say, I want to come to you because I want to strengthen you in the faith, that I want to impart spiritual gifts to you, that I want to be there because I love you so much that I want to be there with you, is such a huge turnaround from his initial request asking those prefects and others to write him letters so that he can go and arrest people who are following the way. Now he's saying, I want you to stay in the way and I want to help you in that way so you can continue to be members of the kingdom of God. And that is such an amazing thing to see, even from these three examples, I'm sure you guys put a hold out three different examples from different things you've seen in nature that may fit in with Paul's life and the way that things work. But being a part of this cycle is a beautiful thing and I think that's something that God puts out there for us to be able to see and to be able to grow from and also to be able to take and share with others even if it's walking in the woods with someone or being out or someone asks you what was your favorite thing and then you're able to share something that's a spiritual truth that may help them out but also something that they can see in nature that they're like wow that makes a lot of sense and that's what God and Jesus do for us whenever we see those parables and visions. Now I want to close on a verse over in Isaiah if you wouldn't mind turning over there to Isaiah chapter 61. As I mentioned, just in the Psalms, in the visions, in Proverbs, so many different places, we see these parallels of spiritual truths that come through nature. And uh, I think chapter 61, it's really just talking about the year of the Lord's favor. After just speaking about um, the future glory of Israel and what it's going to look like about the coming salvation, Chapter 61 has a few images which do tie in with what we've um, just been talking about, but also I just think gives us a good reason to ask ourselves and just kind of check over and say, are we working together and are we working on ourselves so that we can be the type who take root 
and also the type who can help others to grow in God as we look at our life and the way that we're living. And that's something I have to ask myself a lot, and I'm sure we all do, just to see what that's looking like going forward in the future. All right, so starting in verse 1 of chapter 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall, dis they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will call his righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. So after reading these verses, just thinking about even those last few verses, as the earth brings forth its sprouts and the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. He's given us Jesus, and uh, just like Paul was able to look to Jesus from that and be able to grow in that and share with others, we have that same opportunity to be able to do that every day of our life. Um, there's a lot of different ways we can do that. If it's the way that we act, if it's the way that we speak, if it's a conversation that somebody asks us a question, we're able to answer back and say that. But in all those ways, we're able to learn more about God and more about Jesus through that, and hopefully we're able to share that as well. So I hope this, I know that reading over some of these passages and thinking about them more myself, I've definitely been convicting and uh, just made me think a lot more about how I need to be making sure that I'm using my time in a wise way that's helping me grow and also helping others grow through that. And at the end of the lesson, we always offer an invitation that if any of us um, have anything that we need to share with the group that we need prayers for or a time to just kind of look over our life, then this song is what we use as that opportunity as um, we stand and sing. <laughs>